Welcome to Seneca Community Church Online. We're so glad that you've decided to uh, tune in and join us this morning. Uh, we've heard from a number of you who have learned how to connect YouTube to your large screen TVs. And uh, I, I want to apologize that you have to now see this face large instead of small on your phone anymore. And a shout out to Bill Fisher who said that he's done it and I'm on his 65-inch screen just blasting. So um, again, apologies about that. We're about two-thirds our way through our Jesus On series, the Sermon on the Mount for today. And if you're joining with us for the first time or you're needing to catch up, and they're all available either on YouTube, uh, you can listen to those, and uh, you can do it on um, Apple iTunes also. So please uh, take advantage of that. Uh, today we're going to be looking at a passage that we started to look at last week in the Sermon on the Mount. We are talking about judging, and as we looked at that and we saw discernment and came to the other side of that, uh, we realized that there's this last verse, Matthew 7, verse 6, that says, basically, beware of dogs and pigs and passing out uh, the truth and pearls. And we'll get into that in just a few minutes and see how that connects with being discerning. But before we get going, I think it would be good to open up in prayer. Occasionally, I will write out my prayers. And now some might say that doesn't allow for the Holy Spirit to really uh, engage with the praying, but I, I would disagree with that. I think uh, when I write out my prayer, I think the Holy Spirit is involved in the writing out of that prayer. And sometimes, to be very specific for different situations, I just want to focus in and choose my words uh, with God guiding me, and so I write out my prayers. So I thought it would be appropriate to adapt one of the prayers that I've used for the National Day of Prayer, and it's a prayer about praying for our nation. And so would you please join me before we get started with this prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we bring before you the many leaders of our nation, and those in high positions. You have brought them into those leadership responsibilities. Some are aware of you. Others are unconvinced that you have anything, any role to play in their governing. And others have not come to the place of integrating your leadership into the way they lead. We pray for our president, Donald Trump. We pray for our vice president, Mike Pence, we pray for the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, cabinet members, Congress, the Supreme Court, Governor Como, the legislator, judicial leaders, Seneca County officials, and our town officials as they serve on our behalf. We don't really understand the sacrifices they make and the way those sacrifices touch their families but are grateful for their willingness to serve and lead. Grant them strength and encourage them with the decisions they are called to make. Give them energy to engage in their own families. Protect their marriages and children as they govern. May the cost of serving us not have a huge impact on their marriages and their families. In those moments like these where the decisions seem to be overwhelming, may you give them an inner strength 
and a wisdom that comes directly from you. In those moments, give them strength of mind and clarity they need to lead well beyond their actual capacities. As Christ followers, may we be a people that make it easier for them to serve and lead, giving them the respect and cooperation they ought to have. Forgive us when we don't esteem them as we should. Forgive us when we make it harder for them than it needs to be. Help us to live in such a way that our leaders are happy to have Christ followers in their midst. May we be known for being connectors, not just correctors. We may, be, may we be known for what we are for, just not what we are against, without marginalizing our core values as Christ followers. Help us to greet our leaders with gratitude and a smile while practicing social distancing and even wearing a mask when needed. May they know we are hoping and praying for their success as leaders, even when we don't always agree with them. May we reflect the Apostle Paul's words to the Christian followers or the Christ followers in Rome, to be good citizens, understanding all government is under you. Help us to understand that peace and order in government is an expression of your peace and order. We really do want to live responsibly as citizens of the United States. We realize that when we are irresponsible, it is you that holds us accountable. Thank you for the nation you have placed us in. May our walk with you impact those around us, especially those who lead us. As we look to you, O Heavenly Father, to lead us daily, moment by moment, may our hearts be open sensitive and responsive to you. This day we ask you that you would help us to understand how to live out the words your son has given us, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is as much as it is for today as it was 2,000 years ago. Be a real presence with those who have lost their jobs, those who have been laid off, those who are struggling with school at home, those on the front lines, those who are just sick and tired of being in isolation. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior who makes this all possible. Amen. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Matthew 7, 1. Jesus' words create a reaction on so many levels. Levels for the convinced follower of Christ, uh, even levels for the unconvinced follower of Christ, or the person that has just doesn't see any relevance for faith. Yet these words are spoken often, no matter what circles you travel in. They still speak to our culture, whether you're a person of faith or not. Last week in part 15, we came to understand that the word judge really means to separate. At the most general level, at the most basic level, 
The word judge means to separate. It's a filtering. We talked about how as a young boy when I would, or in college when I would sort potatoes, we would separate them. We would judge them. And the same is true for the word that Jesus uses. Yet that word, depending on context, can mean a number of things. And so last week we saw on one spectrum is the idea to judge means to discern. And all the way to the other side, we see to judge means to condemn. And so as we think about this and as we think about what Jesus is speaking to us, it is of utmost importance that we do learn to discern. We do learn to separate. We do learn to think. But the art of that discernment is learning how not to let discernment slide into judgmental condemnation. But in times like these, we do need to discern, especially when we think about what is going on in our I world. I really don't understand why everybody isn't following the same rules right now. They're very clear. So let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason. Unless, of course, you have a reason, and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed except those that are open. And all stores must close unless, of course, they need to stay open. This virus is deadly, but don't be afraid of it. It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people. And it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected that we build immunity. So it is very important that we get infected and also do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there. Unless, of course, you are too sick to go there. This virus has no effect on children except for those children in which it affects. The virus remains active on different surfaces surfaces for two hours or four hours or six hours, but in most cases it's days and not hours and it needs a damp environment or a cold environment that is warm and dry in the air, unless the air is plastic. Schools are closed, so you need to homeschool your children unless you can send them to school because you are not home. If you are at home, you can school your children using various portals and online classrooms unless you have poor internet, more than one child, only one computer, or you are working from home. Baking cakes can be considered math, science, or art. If you are home educating, you can include household chores within their education curriculum. And if you are home educating, you may start drinking at approximately 10 a.m. every day. If you are not home educating children, you may also start drinking at approximately 10 a.m. Masks are useless at protecting you against the virus but you still need to wear one because it can save lives. And in some cases it may even be mandatory, but also maybe not. You must not go to work, but you can get another job at which point you may go to work. Stay home. I don't know how many more celebrities we need to have tell you how important it is to go outside and take care of your mental health. There is no shortage of groceries in the supermarket. There are simply many things missing. You don't need to go buy a bunch of toilet paper, but you should buy some in case you need it. If you are sick, you may go out once you are better, but those in your household, they cannot go out once you are better, unless, of course, they need to go out. Animals are not affected by the virus, except for that cat that tested positive in Belgium in February, 
plus a couple tigers. The number of corona-related deaths will be announced daily, but we don't know how many people are infected because we were only testing those who are almost dead to determine if that's what they will die of. The people who die of corona who are not counted won't or will be counted, but maybe not. To help protect yourself during these times, you should be eating well and exercising, but exercising only eating what you have at home to avoid going to the stores unless you need toilet paper or a fence panel. It's important to get fresh air, but don't go to parks, but do go walk in other places. Just don't sit down unless you are old or pregnant. But if you do sit down, don't sit for too long unless you are old and you are pregnant, in which case you need to sit down. But if you do sit down, don't eat unless you've had a long walk, which you are allowed to do if you are old or pregnant, except for times in which you aren't. And finally, no businesses will go down due to coronavirus, except those businesses that go down due to COVID-19. I hope this cleared up any questions about what we should and should not be doing during this time. Please educate your friends and family with this information so we can remove any and all confusion surrounding this time. Thank you. Well, that sure does clear it up, doesn't it? That gives us some ideas about how to be discerning. But I do want to say this. For way too long, Christ followers have held on to things and have moved from discerning to being judgmental. And especially in days like this where the news seems to be coming from two different sizes, and we really can't understand where the ground totally is, we as Christ followers need to be very cautious about taking our discernment and moving it into a judgmental condemnation, especially on items and areas that we're not completely sure about. I don't know about you, but I am old enough to remember Y2K. And Y2K had ideas flowing all over the place. And I would watch Christ followers tie themselves in their Christ-following beliefs to their Y2 beliefs, and they would do it with a, a confidence, an arrogance, that came across judgmentally condemning. And then when that blew over, thank God, people looked back at that and tied the comments about Y2K with the comments about Christ. And because the Y2K was so out there, many of our friends, family workers, uh, family uh, people we work with, tied following Christ with Y2K. So when we look at COVID-19, we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful about being so energetic about being right that we really aren't right. Right with God and right with our neighbor, if you will. Last week's bottom line conveyed this idea. It's not about being right. It's about being right. And the idea about that was that you and I can emphasize being right on an issue, and it can be almost a pride and arrogance that we, in a sense, lose our rightness with God. Because God actually resists arrogance. 
He resists you and I when we are prideful. James, Jesus' stepbrother, who wasn't a Christ follower until Jesus' resurrection, until that first Easter service, Easter Sunday, somewhere along the line, he believed. But this is Jesus' stepbrother, and this is what he writes about Christ followers, not about people outside of Christ, people that haven't said they're following, haven't said yes to him, but people who have said yes to Christ. This is what James, Jesus' brother, stepbrother, writes. God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. I don't know about you, but I have not gotten to the place yet where I have enough grace. I know I've gotten to the place where I don't need to have God, in a sense, resisting me. So you and I, when we think about being right versus being right with God and right with others, need to make sure that we're not taking that idea of judging and taking it from discernment and moving it over to judgmental condemnation. We said last week that judging the heart, the soul, is in God's hands. He hasn't called you and I to be that kind of judge. But he has called us to discern. A friend of mine recently posted about this whole concern about uh, Christ followers making all these claims where they're getting it secondhand, thirdhand, fourthhand, fifthhand, and on, and presenting these claims as gospel. And when I say gospel, as the good news of Jesus Christ, this, this is what he wrote, and I thought it was pretty good. He says, it's amazing to me how, many, how everyone on social media seems to suddenly be an expert in medical care, immunology, investigative journalism, economics, and epidemic. I can't even say that word. You see it on the screen. You get the idea. We would do well to heed Paul's advice in 2 Timothy 2.23. This is what we read. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, injustice, those kinds of things, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Not, aha, I'm right, but with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. You see, I want to be very, very careful that as I interact, that I don't get caught up, tied up, imprisoned by controversies that I'm really not sure about, but circumvent some of the possibilities of me speaking into someone's life about the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't want me tying faith to something that it should not be tied to so that it, in a sense, becomes an obstacle to leading somebody else to a repenting knowledge of the truth. 
So again, as we're looking at this discerning and we're looking at how it can move all the way over to judgmental condemnation, it is very timely that we're talking about this because discernment is of utmost importance. As things unfold with this, as things loosen up with this, there'll be a moment where folks' hearts are open to spiritual things, realizing all the things they had banked on were not solid in their life. Maybe faith is solid. Maybe faith in Jesus Christ is solid. And I want our church, as I hope you want, to be in a position to speak into their life gently, to come alongside, and perhaps God may grant those people that we love dearly, friends, family members, people we work with, to repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth and making Jesus their personal Savior and ultimately their Lord. So what Jesus says about judging lest they be judged is very important for us today. Let's jump into verse 6, which doesn't seem to be connected to what Jesus has been saying, but I think as we unpack it, you're going to see the connection. Uh, verse 6 says this, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What in the world does that mean? Don't judge, but i got to figure out what's going on here. What does it mean? You know, it's funny for us because most of us, when we think of dogs, this is what we think of, like this little boy. are vicious dogs, but those are not the dogs that Jesus is speaking of. When you and I think of dogs and we think of pigs, we're thinking something completely different. Those are not the dogs and pigs that Jesus is talking about. I tell you, I might be crying like that young lady if you put a pig in my car, but it would be for another reason. She, on the other hand, is holding this tender little cuddly thing. When Jesus speaks of do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pigs to per pearls to pigs, if you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. He's talking about a different kind of animal. 
The dogs in Jesus' day were scavengers. They were dirty. Uh, they would travel in packs, sometimes in the streets, and would get into everything. And if you were uh, vulnerable, they might even try to take a little bit of a bite out of you. Pigs in Jesus' day were, first of all, totally um, you know, hands-off, unclean animal for the follower of Judaism in that day. Uh, they were dirty. And so these aren't cuddly, wonderful animals. But the reason Jesus ends his talk regarding judging with this verse is because he wants to, us to hone in and understand that we need to have a discerning discernment. A discerning discernment. A, a discernment that really thinks through, that looks at things from all the angles. That really is a discernment that can, in a sense, be placed in something and it be foundational. That it's pretty clear when you're discerning. And so for Jesus, he's saying, the person that follows me ought to be a, have a discerning discernment that knows hearts. You and I need to know hearts. So when Jesus pulls up the idea of a dog, pulls up the idea of a pig, and starts talking about sharing with them, communicating with them spiritual truth, things that are sacred to God, he's saying, first of all, if you're going to do that, you need to have discerning discernment that knows hearts. And knows not just the hearts of the people you're sharing with, knowing your own heart. Jeremiah writes, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. You see, when you and I are discerning with our discernment, we understand hearts, we understand our own hearts, we understand the heart that we have, and because we understand the heart we have, when we approach others, when we come in contact with others, we are discerning rather than judgmental, because we know our hearts. We know that there can be a beam in our eye when there's a speck in somebody else's eye. And since we know our own hearts, we, we come with that kind of understanding. When Jesus gives us verse 6 of chapter 7, he's not saying don't have anything to do with anybody that's disagreeable, that's hard, that's difficult. The reality is, if someone had played that out in their own life, many of us would not know Jesus as our Savior. Because many of us would have been rejected if they had looked at our life and said, I'm going to stay away from that guy because he acts like a dog a little bit or a lot. I'm going to stay away from that person because they act like a pig a little bit or maybe a lot. Many of us would not have had exposure to who Jesus is and not have had the same kind of opportunity to say yes to him. So we need to understand the heart we have. Last week we looked at Romans 2.1 that talks about this tension, seeing other people's hearts, being discerning but not judgmental.
We read, people are on a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on the high ground where you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. You see, you and I need to know hearts if we're going to have a discerning discernment. We need to know the hearts we have. And Jesus understood that. That's why when Jesus saw, I hate to say it this way, but when Jesus saw dog-like behavior, pig-like behavior, his response was not one of condemnation. It was one of discernment. And a discerning heart had this kind of response. Matthew 9, 36 and 37 reads, Jesus saw the many people and felt sorry for them. He had compassion for them because they were worried and helpless like sheep without a shepherd to lead them. Jesus said to his followers, there is such a big harvest of people to bring in but there are only a few workers to help harvest them. In other words, you see the people for who they are. You see the brokenness of their heart expressed in all kinds of ways. You understand your heart isn't far from that. But instead of running from others, you lean into them. You see them, and it breaks your heart like Jesus. You see, that's a discerning discernment. So the hearts that others have, what, what kind of hearts, what are, what are they like? Again, back to verse 6, Jesus says, don't give holy things. In a sense, things that have to do with God to dogs. Don't throw your pearls, your precious things, before pigs. Pigs will only trample on them, and dogs will turn and attack you. You see, at first the idea is you need to stay away but the reality is we need to understand people's responses. And when they're not aware of a need, when they don't have an appetite for something, if you try to give it to them and they consume it, they're going to find that it doesn't taste good. If someone eats a pearl, in a sense, they're going to find that it's undigestible. So in a sense, you and I ought to expect as we give samples, or if you want to say, as we give appetizers of the good news out to others, we need to be discerning enough to realize that for some, they're going to look at it and go, what is that? And some are going to put it in their mouth, and it's not going to taste good. And because they put it in their mouth, they're going to spit it right back, and you may get it on you. But that's what a discerning discernment understands. You and I know that. We would not have difference makers around the world if people said, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go interact with those people because they might have dog-like, pig-like response to the thing I'm going to serve up. And then, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I'm eating popcorn and I get a kernel and it gets me right in the tooth. And does that hurt? It actually makes me a little angry when that happens. Like, oh, ow. And then usually someone who's with me will go, are you okay? And then it, 
asking me all that stuff doesn't make it any better. If I'm really injured, I'll tell you. But I'm like, ooh, and then I'm like, ah. And, and so you can only imagine when someone is getting the appetizer and it feels like a kernel in their mouth and it actually hurts, they're going to give you a response that's not going to be sweet and kind and gracious. The dog and the pig don't have the ability to either perceive or assess the value of what has been shared with. They can't digest it. So the discerning discernment isn't we stay away, it we know what is coming. We understand that. We discern that. We know when to serve up appetizers and when not to and who to, which means you and I have got to be involved in other people's lives. If we're not involved in people's lives, we won't know how to serve up the appetizer that ultimately points them and gets them to the place where maybe they'll say yes to Christ. So discerning discernment is a spiritual insight Paul writes, but the spiritual man, the man who has said yes to Christ, has insight into everything, and that bothers and baffles the man or the person of the world. Their eyes haven't been opened. And so they hear that, they perceive that, and they don't have insight. So discernment doesn't get to condemnation because we understand who we're in a sense serving up the meal too. We don't have contempt for them. We have understanding. We don't get angry and agitated. We expect it. Yet we have compassion because they are like sheep without a shepherd. Most of us, even after we've said yes to Jesus, have moments where we feel like we're sheep without a shepherd. We wonder what's going on in our world. We wonder what's going on with our job. We wonder what's going on with our relationships. And we feel like sheep without a shepherd. And we feel the panic and the fear and the uncertainty. And we know Jesus. So why wouldn't we expect someone who doesn't know Jesus not to react that way? A discerning heart understands that because a discerning heart knows hearts. They have insight. What are we to do with our discernment? We are to leverage it. How, how do we leverage it? We know how people are going to respond. We understand what backs somebody into a corner and what lets somebody share their heart with you. So we leverage our discernment. Here is a new family member that doesn't have a clue about leveraging discernment when getting to know his wife's family. You cannot wear a Raiders jersey to my family's Christmas dinner. husband wasn't leveraging his discernment. We've all met. Some of you listening haven't decided whether to follow Christ yet because you have met 
The guy who wears the Raider shirt, except it's Jesus, and he's not leveraging his discernment. And so you're put off by that. Doesn't mean we compromise who we are. Talked about that in our opening prayer. But it means we leverage discernment. Paul actually says, I become all things to all men, that I might win some, lead some, point some to Christ. He's not a wishy-washy guy, Paul isn't that kind of a guy. So what's he talking about? He leverages his discernment. And when you and I leverage discernment, we see hearts. And because we see hearts, we have a response of love towards them. 1 Peter 4, 8. How do you stop discernment from becoming condemnation, judgmentalism? You love somebody. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, most of all, love each other steadily and unselfishly because love makes up for many faults. Other translations say, love makes up for many sins. The idea is that when you love somebody, you're not instantaneously offended and irritated by them. So you want to stop your discernment from moving over to condemnation? Then replace your feelings towards that person with the unconditional love. We celebrate the unconditional love many of us have experienced in Jesus Christ. And we present that, project that to someone else. It also means we lead Matthew 13 talks about this idea of finding something, and he actually uses the second illustration. Jesus uses the idea of pearl. He says God's kingdom, God's rule in our life, in our heart, is like a treasure hidden in a field. One day a man found the treasure. He hid it again and was so happy that he went and sold everything he owned and bought the field. This is a guy who's passionate about following Christ. This is a guy who is after it. Goes on, gives another example. God's kingdom is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. One day he finds a very fine pearl. He went and sold everything he had to buy it. The idea of being all in. A discerning discernment who leverages his discernment is all in. They lead not by statements, not just by posts on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. They lead by going after the pearl. And the pearl is Jesus Christ. Some of us haven't really gone after the pearl. Maybe we've kind of gone after it, but we're not all in. So unless we're all in, we can't lead. Unless you're all in, you can't lead. You can't have that love that sees other people's hearts. You can't leverage discernment because you're still having issues in your own heart. That doesn't mean we get it all together, but it does mean we're traveling in that direction. How else do we stop our discernment from turning into condemnation? We use the word nudge here. This is the only word I could come up with as I read this passage. I, I thought about this. We nudge people. We, 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 we take who we are and we nudge people. Jesus says, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. Discernment. You know how it works. 
Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It has been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insight and understandings flow freely. Your discernment is a conduit for understandings about who Christ is. But if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity, soon it disappears. And Jesus is saying this, that's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people towards receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. So Jesus says, I personally, this is Jesus speaking, nudge people by using stories. Jesus was the master teacher. He used stories. Jesus has given you some tools, some ability, some skill, something so that you can nudge others towards Jesus. So we're in the act of nudging. Next one isn't a word, and uh, I've got to be mindful of how to say this, but it's the idea of being shrewd, and it needed to be a verb, but I could not find a word that was as clear as shrewd that was, was a verb. So I had, to, I had to come up with, so, you know, you compensate, so you shrewdate. Well, that's not a word. I'm sorry, but that's the word we're using. So when you and I want to stop from becoming a judgmental heart, we shrewdate. The word for shrewd, it means a shrewd person is able to understand and judge a situation quickly and to use the understanding to their own advantage. When you and I shrewdate, we don't use things to our own advantage. We use things to the advantage of the good news touching a person's heart. Jesus tells this story. He says this, The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true that children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are children of the light, children who follow Christ. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to eternal, to an eternal home. We've talked about this earlier. Where your heart is, there's your treasure. Sending it on ahead. But the idea is being shrewd, cunning, clever. To shrewdate. So if you want to stop your discernment to moving into condemnation and judgmentalism, and Jesus tells it not to go there, then you need to, I need to shrewdate. We need to be clever. We need to look at all the sides. We need to leverage our resources. You see, as we put all this together, this is the idea of condemning Christ followers, leverage their judgment for themselves. Sometimes they point other people's things out so they feel better about themselves. They use them for themselves. Discerning Christ followers leverage their judgment for others. So the question is, if you're a Christ follower, how are you leveraging your judgment for others? Are you leveraging your discernment? Or are you letting it slide all the way over to condemnation and being judgmental? That is not effective. 
And God says, that's not the way I want you to go about it. How are you doing that? And if this morning you're a person that's still trying to figure out where, what it means to be a Christ follower, let me just say this. If you want to say yes to Christ, and not to oversimplify it, but just to get you thinking about it, that it's a possibility to have God in your life, to have Him as the foundation that will never fall, never fail, never drop out, Saying yes to Christ involves this, admitting that you need him, admitting that you're out of step with him, and that's called sin, and your need to be connected to God through Christ. So we admit that in our hearts. It involves believing that Jesus died for us. He gave his life for us. He rose again that first Easter and accepting his forgiveness of our sins. And then it involves choosing to invite Christ into our lives as the one you are going to follow. You're not going to be perfect at this. None of us are. But that's the direction you want to travel. Then you, too, can be a, have a discerning discernment. You, too, can leverage your discernment pointing to Christ. If you want to know more information about this, you can reach out to me. You can email me, call the office Tuesday through Friday. Um, also, you can go online, and there's this Knowing God personally uh, slideshow. You can find that. We can actually send you a, can a paper copy of that if you'd like it, but you can walk through this. There's 20 slides there that can help again explain this a little bit more fully. So again, the bottom line, last week, this week, it's not about being right. It's about being right, right with God, not proud, but humble, and right with others. Not judgmental, but yes, discerning. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. Always thanking you for your love for us. Thank you for your graciousness. We thank you for your discernment with us. We're thankful for the way Jesus was willing to leverage his insight into the human condition by giving his life for us, by coming, giving his life, and rising again. We thank you. Father, help us all reflect inward and try to figure out where we're at when it comes to judging. Are we people of discernment? Or are we people of condemnation? And how do we move more into the area of discernment? And once again, if there's anyone listening that hasn't uh, said yes to you, we ask that uh, you'd put them in that direction, that they would check out the Knowing God personally, they would uh, talk with you, they would pray to have you come into their life. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This time in our service, we just remind you of uh, and thank you for your continued uh, sacrificial giving and generosity during this time. Uh, we completely understand that it's difficult. If your income is dropped off or it's non-existent, we, we, we get that. But we appreciate the way uh, folks have been generous and been sacrificial. You can see the uh, very practical ways you can help us out with that uh, on the screen right now. 
Uh, so if you feel led to do that, we just want to thank you for that. Uh, just a reminder that we will be doing our uh, coffee time online, virtual coffee time. You'll see information again on the screen about that. You also can go to our Facebook page and click on that and uh, join us. Uh, last week was great. I, I don't know if we had uh, 20 or 30 little people, little squares joining us, representing, I don't know, 40 or 50 people. It was just great to see faces we haven't seen in a while. And if you are facing some kind of need, uh, please reach out to me and let me know, and we'll see what we can do. Also, I thank you for those that have sent me emails, reached out to me, called me, text messaged me, and said, if there's a need, I want to help. So we'll try to coordinate all of that together. A thank you again. Be well, be safe, and God bless.